Hey, y'all. Y'all doing all right? I am so grateful to be with you all and so honored to be able to serve uh, this weekend. Uh, Pastors Earl and Arnika are very, very dear to me. Uh, And um, I want to say this uh, about your pastors. You have great pastors. Now, now before you clap, let me give you context, because in 2021, um, there are a lot of pastors right now. Pastors are like rappers. Everybody thinks they can do it. So, so it's very rare to find really good pastors, uh, but, but it's even more rare to find great pastors. And God has given you great pastors in Earl and Onika McClellan, and you need to honor them as such. So can we just give it up for your, I love you guys so much. I'm grateful for the work, honor that we get to serve in the same city. And, and because of that love, and yes, Earl, I feel like you're my best friend too, so it's not just one-sided. <laughs> but let me also say, because of the, 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 the level of endearment I have for them, please don't mess with them. <laughs> because I'm from Inglewood, California. <laughs> the hood part, pre-gentrification. And if I ever have to come on this side of town because y'all mess with them, I'm popping the trunk. (laughs) And there's no trick or trunk in that back seat. There's bullets. So I just (laughs) just need y'all to know. (laughs) I will shoot you. Um, uh, My wife of 22 years is here. (laughs) And uh, especially because of what I'm about to teach, uh, it would be remiss of me Uh, and disrespectful if I did not let y'all see how beautiful she is. So Juliet Ross, would you please stand and just say hi to everybody that's in the room. That's my girl! We got two boys, uh, Nathan and Noah. They are 13 and 11, and uh, preparing them to get out of the house so I can have my wife back with exclusivity. So uh, it's it's a great season for us. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to the book of Ephesians, chapter number five. The book of Ephesians, chapter number five. My assignment is to be um, kind of the groundbreaker. Uh, We're starting a series on relationships this weekend, uh, and I specifically want to speak to married people. Now, uh, for all the single people in the room, you're probably like, bruh, what that got to do with me? It has to do everything with you. Because I'm telling you, when I talk to you about relationships and I, and I focus in on speaking uh, from uh, uh, the marital perspective, this is going to help every single in this room. Now, let me tell you exactly how it's going to go down, because every time I teach this, it all lays out this way, okay? All the married people in this room today are about to get an upgrade, whether you wanted it or not. After I give you this work, you're going to be responsible for what you just got. You will not be able to act like you did not hear what I said. You will not be able to la 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 your way through this message. If you go to the restroom, you better be constipated because by the time you come back, I'm going to still be giving you this work. Okay? And they recorded it, and it's going to all the campuses. Everybody that's online, shout out to y'all. If you're watching at home right now, whether you're in the bed, in the living room, at the kitchen nook, it doesn't even matter. You about to get this work. All right? Now, with that said, All the single people in here, here's how it's going to lay out for you. Half of y'all are going to be like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) Cannot wait to get married. Because the the content's going to confirm for you that you are about that life. 
for the other half of the single people in this room, you're going to be like, oh, my God. I'm taking a vow of celibacy. I'm buying a puppy. Just telling you right now, y'all about to get this. Are you ready, though? All right, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to uh, Ephesians chapter number 5. I want to read uh, verses 31 and 32 first, uh, and then I'll pray, give you the title, and then we're just going to go for it, okay? Here's what it says uh, in Ephesians chapter number 5, verses 31 and 32. I'm reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible. A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So the title of this message, if you're taking notes, how many note takers do I have in the room? Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up if you're a note taker. Now look around. Look down your row at all the non-note takers. (laughs) If you got your hand raised, you're a nerd, and you should be happy about that. No, keep your hand up. Nerds rule the world. Now look down your row, because these are the people that'll be working for you one day. Because <laughs> all non-note-takers work for nerds, so that's just the bottom line. Nerds rule the world. Three, three, three words for this message. Please write this down. The title of this message is simply, What's Your Secret? What's Your Secret? That's what we want to know when it comes to relationships. What is the secret to successful Marriages. Bow your heads. Let's pray over the word before we get into it, shall we? Holy Spirit, give us the secret. Amen. Amen. I pray quick. I know all the intercessors are so disappointed in me right now. You're like, come on, go for it. But I'm the one you want over for Thanksgiving dinner. We'll eat it while it's hot. Eat it while it's hot. Eat it while it's hot. Have you ever been um, driving through your neighborhood or walking through the mall and you see like an, an, an old couple holding hands, walking slow, and, and they're just so cute? And you just see them walking, you're like, oh my gosh, those are my goals. Yes. If you're dating someone, you're like, look, honey, that's that's. You're like 18 months married, and you're just like, this is, this is exactly what we want to. And if you're bold enough or curious enough, or maybe they live in your neighborhood, you'll ask them. You'll just go up to them and be like, hi, how are you all doing? How long have you been married? And they say, they're proud, 62 years. And you're like, oh, my gosh. How did you, how did you not murder each other? You've been with the same person. For 62 years? What's your secret? Because we always want to know the the longer people have been married, the more life hacks we want from them. We don't want to talk to the people that have been married for like four weeks, right? They're like, ah, you don't know nothing. (laughs) But the people that have been married 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, you're like, what is the secret? And inevitably, they have these these beautiful little anecdotes that they share with you. <laughs> we never go to bed angry with each other. <laughs> we sit at the table and we eat bacon together. <laughs> we take our bites at the same time. 
We always hold hands, even if we have nothing good to say. <laughs> At least there's a physical touch. And you're like, oh, let's try that. And you're like, but we don't eat pork, so. <laughs> we'll use turkey, but let's just try it anyway. Well, well, I want to give you the secret, not from a couple who's been married a long time, but from the author of the marriage itself. Yes. I want to take you straight to God's word and give you the secret ingredient of the institution he created. Instead of going to people that have uh, made a commitment to the institution, we should go to the author of the institution directly and just ask him, what is the secret to these marriages? Here's the first thing I want you to know. The Bible starts with a marriage and it ends with the marriage. The, 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 the whole Bible that we read from Genesis to Revelation is literally bookended by starting with the marriage and ending with the marriage. It's the first institution that God makes. Before we get out of Genesis chapter number two, we find that he makes a man and a woman and he brings them to each other. He's the first officiant of the first wedding in human history. He brings together Adam and Eve and the two become one flesh. Here's what it says in Genesis 2.22. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib of the man, and he brought her to the man. This is the first marriage. It starts with a marriage. Here's what it says in Revelation chapter number 21, verse number 2. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed wow, wow. for her husband. Wow. Revelation chapter number 21, verse number 9 says this, Then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come with me. Come with me. I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And in Revelation chapter number 22 and 17, this is the last thing we see about marriage before all time folds up. The spirit and the bride say, come. And so we see in scripture that the Bible literally is bookended by marriage. Now, if this is the institution that God has put on the earth and it is literally the type and shadow of how Christ loves his bride, imagine now why marriages are under attack. In light of that, in light of the fact that Paul says, here's the mystery, that, that, that the marriage between a man and a woman is literally an illustration of how Christ loves his church. Now imagine why 50% of them fail. Because Satan doesn't want you to see a proper image of Christ's love for the church. And why is it so important to talk about in a room full of believers? It's because it would be different if 50% of those stats were only in the world and we're running a 98% success rate of marriage in the church. But uh, there, is a, there are as many people getting divorced who say they love Jesus as those 
that don't. Because Satan hates to see a clear picture of the gospel message in the form of a married man and a married woman. Marriage is God's metaphor to express love. First, for his love for Israel, and second, his love for the church. Now, the reason why this is super important is because uh, whether you know it or not, you are a Gentile. <laughs> Unless you're a Jew, you're a Gentile. And so we must understand first that he expresses this all in the Old Testament in his love for Israel. He literally says, I'm married to Israel. And then in the New Testament, Christ brings Jew and Gentile together in his own broken body on the cross. And he says that love has now been extended to the entire world, the church. So God expresses this love. And so you need to realize that Jesus explains marriage and marriage explains Jesus. According to scripture, if you want the secret to what a marriage is really supposed to be, look at Jesus. And if you want the secret to, to, to what Jesus is supposed to be, look at a marriage. But in our culture, in our day and age, it's like, don't look at mine. You can't be talking about my parents. My daddy is throw. My mama is certified crazy. So I didn't see it in my own home, and so, I mean, I'm broken. I, I, I'm the product of a divorced home, and so I don't even know what I'm supposed to be looking at, which is why we're not going to look outwardly at the marriage that's been together for 62 years. We're going back to the owner's manual. Let's just take it all the way back to the beginning and see what Scripture says about it instead of what culture says about it. So for all my note takers in the room, I want to give you uh, three ways that marriage explains Jesus. I'm going to give you the three ways that marriage explains Jesus. Oh, I'm so hyped. I'm so hyped. Okay. Point number one, please write this down. Marriage shows unity. Marriage shows unity. Unity. Here's what it says, Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 31. A man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. When you look at me and you look at my wife, we are not two people according to Scripture. We are one person in two different bodies. We were not one person until... We made vows to each other before God and man and then came together sexually. We became one. And this is a revelation of how Christ and the church are one. When someone sees you and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are not independent of Christ. If they see you, they see him. If they see him, they see you. You can talk about me all you want. You cannot like my outfit. You cannot like the way my pants are tapered and that, that I don't like any break and, and I like my ankle to breathe a little bit. You can, <laughs> you can be mad at my shoes. You can, you can say whatever you want to about me. I double dare you, though. <laughs> say something about Juliet. And you will catch all the smoke. When I tell you all of it, 
Imagine 1,400 chimneys. You will catch all the smoke. Because you're not talking about her. You're talking about me. And while this side of me is really docile and I like to get along with everybody, if you mess with that side of me, you're going to get this work. Because we are one. The misconception is that when you get married, uh, that y'all are still two people. When you're really one person with two expressions. Write this down. Your spouse is you. Outside of you. Looking back at you. Talking to you about you. Let me say it again. Your spouse is you, outside of you, looking back at you, talking to you about you. Because in Genesis chapter number two, God put Adam to sleep and he pulled Eve out of Adam. He literally took a piece of Adam. Jewish culture says he literally ripped Adam in half. And from the half that he ripped up, he regen this side of Adam and then made with this other half a completely different human being, a man with a womb. That's what scripture would call it. And literally, when he brought them together, they were the same person. He just got to see himself outside of himself. Adam had never seen his feminine side the way he saw it until God presented him with himself back to him. Your spouse is you standing outside of you, looking back at you, talking to you about you. And the way the enemy would try to put a wedge in between your relationship is to make you think that this is your enemy and that this is another person that's critiquing you. When really, this is the person that's actually answering what you could not answer as a single person. As a single person, you never had to answer the question, what's wrong with me? Because every time you pontificated about it, what is wrong with me? You were like, Netflix. Question to yourself, I don't understand why I get so angry and triggered every time someone, you know, tries to give me some feedback and you're like, PS5. <laughs> like, uh, what, 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 is, I don't understand. Why am I so petty? <laughs> Shopping. <laughs> you can distract yourself and never have to answer the question yes. by yourself. Yes. When you get married, it is now you standing outside of you, looking back at you, talking to you about the same thing you were talking to you about yourself. Yeah. But now the you outside of you says, why are you so petty? <laughs> I ain't petty. <laughs> Your mama. <laughs> and you think that this other person is being negative towards you. Wow. When that person is you, finally pinning you down to answer the question you've been avoiding for 27 years. When I got married to Juliet, 
she started pointing out blind spots. When I got married to Juliet, I started pointing out blind spots. Why you do that? I've been doing this my whole life. I was just asking a question. The same question you've asked yourself, but you never had to answer. Unity is about the two becoming one. Adam was taken, Eve was taken outside of Adam, presented back to Adam for Adam to go inside of Eve. Yes, I'm talking about sex. And sex is the only picture between a man and a woman in marriage that literally bears the image of God. Genesis chapter number one says that he created male and female in his image. When do you see the perfect picture of that image? In the marital bed when a man and a woman are having intercourse. Now, the reason why I talk about this so regular degular is because the narrative of sex does not belong to the porn industry. It does not belong to the strip club industry. It does not belong to uh, erotic movies and erotic tales. It literally belongs. We are the owners. Married people are the owners of sex. Everybody else is having it. We own it. I had to say that with some swag, you know what I'm saying? I had to... (laughs) Trying to bring some people back. People out here having premarital, premarital sex. It's just like driving a stolen car. You having it. You don't own the title to it. I bet you me and Juliet is having better sex than you are right now if you are not married. Why? Because we made a commitment to make it exclusive between us. Ain't no side chick over here. She don't have a boo on the side. Ain't nobody in my DMs. She is my DM. The two become one. And it's the picture of God showing up in the marriage. You are not outside of Christ. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. The hope of glory. (laughs) Y'all will never see that scripture the same way again. Point number two, please write this down. Marriage shows sacrifice. Marriage shows unity, and marriage shows sacrifice. Now, I'm about to read a a passage of scripture that's going to make the women in the room tighten their butt cheeks just a little bit. I already know, as soon as everybody hears, you're going to be like, oh, Jesus, no. But but just just breathe, ladies. I'm going to redeem it, okay? Uh, uh, but this is one of the most abused scriptures, especially for married couples. Men like to, uh, 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 for some reason, they've chosen this to dominate uh, their wives with. It's worked in some circles. It don't work in mine. Um, uh, but Ephesians chapter number five, verse number 21 says this. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Now, let me pause. So many husbands have taken just that portion of the verse and tried to dominate their wife with it. As if the verse stops there. 
For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, your wives just, you wives just as uh, you are to submit to each other. As the church submits to Christ. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. And so I'll see, I'll see men come in and, and point to that verse and be like, she needs to submit. <laughs> As if submission was only from the wife to the husband. When it says y'all need to submit to one another. And for wives, it says submit to this way. But, but, but for the men, we have the bigger onus and responsibility. Yeah. It says the way you need to submit to your wife is you need to sacrifice and literally die out for her. In the same way Christ died for the church. When a man comes to me and saying he's having frustrations because his wife isn't being submitted, my clap back to that man is, are you? Because a woman has no problem submitting to a man who submitted to Christ. If you are listening to him, sir, she will listen to you. But if you are not being led by him, don't look at her. And ask her to, to submit to you when she doesn't see you being submitted to him. Amen. And furthermore, you are not the head of your household. Scripture is very, very clear that, that, that the husband is the head of his wife. Yeah. But Christ is the head of that house. Yeah. Which means both of y'all answer to him. Yeah. Don't let that little census fool you who's the head of household. It ain't you. <laughs> I know the government will look at you crazy if you scratch out and said, Christ, right, right. <laughs> I don't know why. That's cracking me up. Um, but an authentic marriage is supposed to show sacrifice. It's supposed to die out behind my wife. A, 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 a truly intimate, romantic, expressive, vibrant relationship is not because two people committed to live through their marriage. And to be quite honest with you, the, days you took, the day that you took your vows, you should have got this revelation. Do, do, do you not know that on the day that you gave your, your, your vows, unless you just went to the justice of the peace or eloped or something like that, if you had like a traditional wedding, right? And the officiant is standing at the front and the groom is standing there and the bride, we're waiting for the bride to come out the back. This is literally a type and shadow of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All in this scene. The officiant stands instead of God. God the Father is the officiant. And the groom is God the Son. And he's waiting on his bride to come. This is why she comes from the back. She comes from the back to represent how she came all the way through time. She came all the way through Alpha to end with her Omega. And everybody rises when those doors open up. Everybody gets up, all rise, and everybody stands up. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. And everybody's like, <gasps> and she's walking slow. You're like, you're going to see this. Right? 
and that gown is flowing and that veil is over there and she is, she is made up beautifully and she's coming through all of time and she's crossing all of humanity for, for the bride to finally be with the groom. But who's ushering her down the aisle? It's God, the Holy Spirit, the one that leads and guides people to Christ. So literally the Godhead was present at the wedding that you attended. And everybody's like, it's so beautiful. And the little girls threw down the rose petals and the little boy, three years old, I don't know why we give him this expensive ring on a pillow, but we let him come down there. He don't even want to walk in a straight line. He's like, <laughs> right? And you're like, just, just bring the ring. Just come this way. Billy, Billy, please come this way. And everybody, everybody's so enamored by, by the venue that we chose and the music that played and how beautiful the bride looks and how beautiful the groom looks and, and y'all did the salt covenant or you lit some candles or you took communion, whatever you did, really spiritual and deep and you forgot you were brought to an altar. Did you think you were going to live through this? You don't come to the altar to live. You came to this altar to die. That is the commitment you are making for better or for worse, for richer or for poor. In sickness and in health, to death do us part. I don't know what's on the other side of this, I do, but I am prophesying I do, even though I don't know what's on the other side of it. I don't know what life is gonna bring us, I don't know what challenges we're gonna be afforded, but I'm already saying and declaring I wanna be with you through the whole thing. You came to die here. You didn't come to live here. The success to 22 years of my marriage with Juliet is I have died. Over and over and over again. And I want you to think about the fact that in your relationship with Christ, you are dying to your will and your way so you can have a better relationship with him. But in your marriage, you're going to do you? Your response to your spouse is, this is the way you met me. I ain't going to change. This is just me. Say that to Jesus. I dare you to. This, you know how you found me, Lord. I was in the club when you found me. I'm just saying. You knew I like to turn up. Why you think I'm going to change now? Because he bled on that cross for you. Not for, he, he'll take you as you are. He won't keep you like you are. After, 20, after 22 years of marriage, I'm not married to the, Juliet's not married to the same man. And after 22 years of marriage, I'm not married to the same woman. See, some of y'all are getting bored in your relationships. And now you're starting to look out because you're like, this is boring. I've been with you like seven years and I need something different. I need, I need to spice up my life. No, you're just not patient. Wait three more years. I won't even be the same chick. Satan's trying to convince you you need a different one. If you were to stay with her, she would have became the one you wanted. Point number three, I gotta go. Point number three, I gotta go. I gotta go. Point number three, I gotta go. 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 
I got another service. I got to go. Point number three, please write this down. Marriage shows love. Marriage shows love. And not just any kind of love, y'all. This is actionable love. This is not, I love you. This is a different kind of love. Here's what it says. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. How come, how come Paul didn't ask them to do the same thing? Love each other. He told the husband to love and the wife to respect. Because anytime a husband shows actionable love, the respect of that wife increases. For every man that's trying to get their wife to respect him and they don't see everything I do, I go to work every day. Here, 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 here's my response to that, sir. If you were single, you would go to work every day. You haven't done nothing special by going to work. You was going to eat regardless, sir. You needed to pay your bills. Like, what are we talking about? You're not a champion. Wash the dishes. Help change those kids you made. You bathe them. And I promise you, if you give that wife that actionable love, she will give you. You do know that men are, are, are givers and women are receivers? You, you, you give a woman a sentence, she will give you a paragraph. You give a woman groceries, she will give you dinner. You give her a house, she will give you a home. You give her drama, she will give you hell. If you give her happiness, she will give you heaven. The reason why we come in here on a weekend and we lift up holy hands and we show our respect and reverence to Christ is because he showed the way. He loved us. And so it's with joy that we come into his presence and say, I'll do anything you want me to do. I can get anything I want from my wife if I serve her correctly. But I do not make demands where I have not made deposits. So what's the secret? You don't have to look to the married couple that's been married 47 years, 52 years, 70. No, the secret is unity, sacrifice, and actionable love. If you can bring these three ingredients to your married life, you will have the most glorious marriage you've ever seen. For all my single people in the room, if you start incorporating this into your life now, where you're like, well, I ain't even dating, how am I gonna express this? You do it in community. You get in your small group and you start saying, am I petty? My, my pettiness is right outside of my peripheral view. I can't see how insecure I am. Can you just, if I, wow, if I present myself that way, will you please help me? Because I'm just, I, if I want to get married, I want to be ready for that. And if you're just like, dude, this, let me know. I am not marriage material ever. I'm never going to die like that. Well, you're being good standing. You'll be waiting for your groom and your bride just like Jesus did. And just like Jesus is. 
because we haven't come all the way through time yet to be reconnected with him. I love you guys so much, and your relationships are about to go to a new level. All right? God bless you.